Welcome to Eskenzi PR's podcast, where we share pearls of wisdom on PR and cybersecurity. Hi, my name is Yvonne Eskenzi, and today's podcast is going to be all about crisis communications. And I'm with Neil Stitchcomb, our partner in crime. Hello, Neil. Hello, Yvonne. <laughs> You've actually done quite a lot of crisis communications talks, haven't you, um, to lawyers and accountants and other professionals. So I suppose, what is your biggest advice to people about crisis communications planning? Well, the first thing is to actually have a plan and then to have tested that plan. So if you haven't organised a plan to handle a security incident, then when one happens, it's very likely that things are going to go very wrong, not just from the PR perspective, but also from the legal perspective and the impact it has on your company's reputation. And that's what it's, that's why you need to plan for these things. So you need to be able to work out if an incident's happened and if it has, what's the scale of it? And then if it's going to be coming into the media, how are you going to deal with that situation? So do you think it's imperative that everybody has a crisis communications plan? Absolutely. No matter how large or small the company you need to plan for how to handle a security incident. We're seeing people regularly who are having thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands stolen from their bank accounts, even if they're small solicitors' firms or um, even very small companies with, say, 10 people in, um, and they could destroy the company and the reputation of the company. So they all need to plan for this kind of incident and how they're going to handle it. And is that something they should do regularly? I mean, how often do you think you should do a crisis? Like almost like a run through or sort of like a, a drill, like a fire drill. How often do you think you should do that? I think you should do it once a quarter at least. Um, you, when you pr- prepare the plan, you need to work out who are going to be the spokespeople, who is going to um, deal with the media, who is going to handle the legal aspects, and who's going to handle the technical aspects of the incident. So, if, if say customers' details were stolen or employees' details were stolen, there's an impact now with GDPR as well as the Information Commissioner's Office. Um, and so you need to make sure that you handle it correctly so that you don't get yourself into a very difficult situation legally um, with, with large fines being imposed as well as the impact on your reputation with your employees, your customers, your potential customers and the general public and of course your stakeholders like shareholders etc if you're a public company. It's interesting because you, you said you've got to get a team together now. Who do you think should be the, PP, the key people within your team that you should choose to be for your crisis communications? Well, you need to have the person that knows if an incident's happened. So that would probably be someone that handles the security within your organisation. If it's quite a large organisation, you may have a CISO, Chief Information Security Officer, responsible for this. Or you might have a, it might be come down in a smaller company to the person that handles IT. It might come down to the company secretary. It may come down um, to even the CEO in some, some organisations, but how you will find out about it, hopefully you'll discover it yourself due to your security technology that protects your organisation, but there, you may find out about it from a customer discovering that their information has been breached, it may come through social media, it may come through a journalist, um, so you need to be prepared for the information to not come from within your organisation but coming from an external source, revealing that you have had a data incident, data breach of some kind. Do you think the days have gone where you can keep quiet? I mean, I know so many times that we work with people and they've just put their heads down into the, into the mud and just pretended it's not happened. And hopefully they will sort it out and no one's ever needed to know about it. Those days have gone, haven't they? Well, I think they have gone because of GDPR in particular. 
Um, I think organisations are getting much better at knowing whether they've had an incident or not. So that's the first thing. So there's a better telephone place to discover it. But also with social media, I think that if you try and keep a lid on something, you're going to get found out very quickly. Um, and, that, and journalists follow things like Twitter all the time to look for things for news stories. So if, you can, if you see some, say, a large company's name on a security incident or hack or breach, it'll get picked up very quickly by journalists that covers this sector. So social media, in a funny way, can be your friend and your foe, can't it? You can use it to your advantage as well, can't you? Of course you can. So a well-handled incident using social media that your customers could come out actually thinking you're a better organisation than originally they, they thought because of the way you handle it very well. If you handle it very badly, then it will have a severe impact on you. And of course, the reach of social media um, is great because if, if it starts to get go viral being passed by different social media accounts and amplified, it becomes a national news story, even gets onto the BBC or whatever um, main publication. Um, so the large, large number of people affected or thinking they're being affected, the more likely it is to become a national news story. And what about when a breach happens? Who do you think are your, your external counsel? Because obviously we're a PR agency, we're often called in, are we not? To deal with, with with crisis communications and our job is to try and um, deal with it as professionally as possible and maybe hopefully uh, not to get a story leaked to the press and um, who else are there so obviously you've got your PR team uh, we often don't come in straight away who else do you think we should have on board you should definitely have on board as your professional counsel so you need to make sure you have legal counsel involved because particularly with GDPR you need to be concerned that um, you follow the correct process and you report within 72 hours. So you need to make sure that you've got a lawyer on board that will enable you to communicate with them correctly and not um, jeopardise your position um, in terms of what you report and how you report it. Um, you need to have some, uh, probably a specialist technical team that knows how to gather evidence for the courts if necessary. And of course you need to have, which we call forensics, and you also need to have an external PR agency often because they generally PR is saying we've had some good news and you want to get it out to the media. When you have a security incident, it's about there's some bad news and you need to handle that bad news correctly to put the company in the best possible light. And you also need people that have dealt with this before and have a calm head and keep cool in a crisis. That's so important. You don't need to panic, you will get through it, but only if you have a very structured response and you follow the processes you've set in place and you have a clear set of messages that you want to use and make sure that management of your company, the spokespeople all know what they're going to say consistently and they have a very clear idea of the scope and impact of the, of the um, incident. So for the purposes of this po podcast, because... Um I don't want people to fall asleep um, and, and I know that, that people always want kind of like the top 10 things that you need to consider when planning your crisis communications plan. Can you tell us, Neil, some of the top things you need to have in your crisis communications plan? Yes, so the first thing to do is, is actually establish um, a cross-functional crisis team. So the, the people that would be involved with that would be your IT security guy, your CISO, your IT guy, your CTO, your CIO, the, the CFO, financial director, the managing director, CEO, um, internal comms, 
sales and customer relations, the people that run your website, um, and as I said, external lawyers, forensics, and PR specialists. Wow, that's, that's a lot of people, though, isn't it? Is that your whole? That is that's a the, huge amount of people. The, that, that room is going to be very, very packed full when you've got that crisis communications. So they're the people that be involved in putting the plan together. They wouldn't all necessarily need to be involved in every part of the process, but when you're putting the plan together, they need to be aware of what's going on because each one of those people has a part to play. I would say the key people involved will probably be the CISO, or IT security person, the CEO, and the PR person mm -hmm. and, and the lawyer because they, those four roles are the key ones in establishing what you can and can't say, the scope of the incident and how you're going to handle it. Um, and I think you can probably plan for the kind of instance, so if you have a data breach, you can probably plan a, an FAQ to put on your website, which you then would make sure all the employees know about, because not, it's not just what the journalists are saying about you, it's what your customers are saying about you and what your own company's employees are saying about you in their... Um, customer-facing role, so the people on your help desk, for example, they'll be answering questions, and a journalist could just legally call your help desk to get advice, it's call a company PR spokesperson, so you have to make sure you're consistent across all the different platforms you use for communication internally and externally. So that's something you can actually prepare loads in advance, can't yeah, you? Yeah, everything needs to be prepared in advance, so you need to set up the cross-functional team in advance so you know who is going to be on duty, because these things don't always happen at nine to five, so who's on call at any point in the day, and then how to contact them, and who should they should be liaising with. And then you need to make sure there's a monetary strategy to establish if something has happened, so has a crisis happened, an incident that you need to respond to, what's the scale and scope and impact of it. Um, then you develop a crisis plan, which then tells everyone what their roles are, which I like to have in the form of a checklist, and then prepare for different scenarios. So if you're going to have a customer data breach or someone's going to hack into your systems and steal money. So the different kinds of incident, how you handle each one. And then you need to know, okay, have a comms plan, so know your audience is, so you know what your response is, whether it's going to be from a journalist or from a national newspaper or whether it's from TV, etc. And then you need to run through, as I said, practices once a quarter with the media team to make sure that the spokespeople are well prepared and trained on it. And in case you may find there's a change in roles each quarter, so make sure the people are spokespeople are still the same employed by the company and still in those roles. And make sure the messaging still fits in with your current objectives as well. So, Neil, when we actually do get to have this crisis, the media are going to be on the company's back like leeches, aren't they? How do you keep the media off your back and how do you deal with them professionally? So if you need to buy time because they're on your back, you need to tell them that you are investigating the incident and you will get back to them within a certain time frame. Having first checked with the journalists when they are actually going to publish their story, when they're going to write their story, and publishing and writing it pretty much instantaneously these days because everyone wants to get something online as quickly as possible and be on the top of the search engines. So the deadlines are much quicker now than they used to be. So you need to get back to the journalist when you say you will. Um, obviously you need to don't go out with a statement to the press if no one has asked you for one, because there's no point in highlighting the issue until you follow through the correct legal process with the regulators, etc. And you need to be as honest as possible in your statements to make sure that you don't hide anything um, and your customers get a sense of trust with you, because you're, you're, you're trying to build a long-term relationship with the journalists, but also with the readers of their publications and your customers and your various audiences. 
and you want to be on that credibility with the journalist by being as honest as possible, as open as possible. So you can't make statements like no comment. You need to make sure that you've got the facts at your fingertip and you can talk about what the incidents happened and how you're going to mitigate the, the problems you've caused to customers, what your policy is, how people can get in touch, etc. And also make sure that you have a page on your website, an FAQ, um, frequently asked questions that deals with all the issues that are likely to be asked. And then you know, make sure you have a strategy for dealing with incoming journalist inquiries that's consistent and that all the messages are repeated by the different supposed people that deal with the media. So with crisis communications, time is of the essence, isn't it? It's the most important thing. You've got to get it right, haven't you? You can't jump on things too quickly because you've got to make sure you've got the facts. What, what's your advice there now? So you need to first of all establish what the scale of the incident is because you've probably seen a few examples where the spokesperson hasn't got the correct information. So you need to make sure the person that tells you the size and scope of the incident has got their facts straight. Sometimes that can't be established very quickly because it's, the incidents develop and grow. So you need to kind of get an idea of the scale and the impact of the incident, who's going to be affected, how much it's going to cost them. Is it going to be an international event? Will it affect a few people, like a hundred? Will it affect millions? And then the more people it affects, and the bigger the impact, then the bigger the risk, and therefore the more the media want going to be covering it. So you need to get a very good idea of the scale of the incident, and then as quickly as possible get your team together to brief them on the incident, its likely impact, establish who already knows about the issue, and obviously making sure in parallel to this you're deciding who needs to be informed, if it's the need to inform the regulator, etc., and that will get the lawyers involved, get the communications timeline set up, and then you need to think about how you're going to get your messages out to the media on the, on the incident and who the spokesperson is. Then you will get all your communications drafted internally and externally, and then make sure the spokesperson knows exactly what they can and can't say, and then get those messages across, and at the same time just make sure everyone keeps calm and gets through the whole, whole thing, because you will get through it. I like the whole keep calm, keep calm and carry on. Is that your last bit of advice? Absolutely. Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you very, very much. Well, everyone knows that um, Neil Stinchcombe is our crisis communications king. So if ever you do have any problems or questions or anything like that, please do come and ask Neil directly, uh, neil at eskenzipr.com. Thank you so much, Neil. Is there anything else you want to, to just finish on? Yes, you need to prepare. If you don't prepare, you're going to fail. That's the key thing I think you need to be aware of in crisis. Fantastic. Smashing. All right, that's, fun. that's great. What we'll do is we'll, um, we'll come back to you uh, next week with another new podcast. Thanks for joining us. Bye.